In this edition of Sology, we first welcome Brendan Vogt of the DNVR.com to preview the Denver Nuggets' upcoming season. Then Matt and I discuss the massive trade involving Russell Westbrook and James Harden. We break down the contract extensions of LeBron James and Anthony Davis with the Los Angeles Lakers. And then finally, we discuss which team you should watch out for for the upcoming season. And now, Brendan Vogt. We now welcome Brendan Vogt onto the show. He is a writer for the DNVR.com. How's it going, Brendan? I'm well, guys. How are you doing today? Really, really good. Um, Matt will attest to this. The, the Denver Nuggets are probably one of the teams I'm the most uh, fascinated with just through um, their roster and especially their performance in a bubble. So um, it's a pleasure to have you on and really just pick your brain um, about, about this team headed into the new season. Well, I'm excited to be here. There's, um, you know, this is the first off season that I've been here with this much turnover. So the Nuggets, that's a team we've we sort of known a lot about going into each season, and there are some questions to answer this time around. So excited to chop it up. So let's reflect on the previous season, and I, I want to get to Jamal Murray. Uh, I think really other than Damian Lillard, I would say ahead of him, Jamal Murray is probably the biggest revelation in the bubble in terms of his performance. Um, what did you make of kind of his transformation um, in this uh, bubble environment? I mean, for I think for those who follow the Nuggets or just follow the NBA in general, um, you kind of see this coming, but especially under the weird um, circumstances, sure. he performed phenomenally. Um, what do you attest that to exactly? Yeah, so the Jamal Murray case is interesting in the bubble. Obviously, we know he shot lights out. You know, if he were to sustain that type of efficiency across a, a full season, full postseason, I mean, this is better than than Steph Curry's stuff. Um, and this is a guy who's a career 35% shooter from three. So I think a lot of folks look at the shooting first and foremost as a potential sort of outlier statistic, because as you mentioned, they're playing in that weird context in the bubble. Um, and that is true, right? With no fans, not having to travel into into opposing environments, it's probably a little easier to maintain a hot streak. And we we know Jamal has that talent. But I would stress that that leap Nuggets fans are articulating it you know what comprised that was was far more than just shooting. Jamal came into the postseason. I think about he told us twelve pounds heavier. You could see the added muscle, and all of a sudden this was a guy that was getting to the line in ways he hadn't done before, getting to the rim in ways he hadn't done before. Was up for the challenge defensively, and his playmaking improved. So I would definitely concede that the shooting jump was somewhat of an outlier effect. But I think every Nuggets fan knows that Jamal did make a leap of some kind in those playoffs. And they're very excited to see how that looks across a full season. And heading into this upcoming season, where do you think he he fits in that pecking order? Do you see him Mm. now? All eyes are on him. I mean, before it's kind of like a secret of, of the to mainstream fans of the league per se, but now kind of the secret's out due to his performance. So is there be any added pressure on him to, to be that number two on this team? Because you know, that the Nuggets are going to have a pretty big uh, target on their back. I mean, I don't think they're, right. I don't, in my opinion, I don't think they're no longer just kind of a sleeper team sure. in the Western. I think they're a perennial Western conference powers. So, with him taking this new role on this team, how do you think he'll adjust, especially with a you know a longer 72-game schedule, if COVID permits? 
It'll be interesting to see how he approaches this regular season. Is he trying to be that guy they needed him to be, and he successfully was in the postseason? Or is he just trying to be the lead guard on a team that has won a lot of regular season games? You know, with him playing, let's be honest, with a much lower baseline than we saw in that bubble. In the regular season, consistency's been his issue. He, he's not want to string 20-point games together. One night it's 30, the next it's maybe 13 or, or 14. Um I think Jamal is a guy that for all of his talent, there is a mental thing there, almost a Jimmy Butler effect. I think he's more mentally tough and cut out for competition than he is even talented, if that makes sense. So what I'm getting at is I think he's going to elevate his game when the playoffs come around. But I don't know if that means he's going to be a top-tier point guard or an all-star caliber point guard in the regular season. There's just so many of those already. Um, I'd I'd be surprised if he plays at that level in the regular season. But that said, fellas, I think this is a guy who's going to be able to turn it on when the going gets tough. Brandon, I'm curious your thoughts on the Nuggets offseason overall. I, I think most people, including myself, are pretty positive about it in that they kept their core together they you know initially were in those talks to acquire drew holiday some say it may be kind of a blessing in disguise that they Mm. didn't get him with what the pelicans were able to get for (laughs) him as an asset um how would you grade the the offseason for the nuggets do you think kind of no news is good news or do you think that there are some things that they might have missed out on it's it's interesting man the jeremy grant decision jeremy grant's personal decision that is is an interesting one to evaluate he walks away to detroit at 360 and we learned that denver actually did match that contract Mm. um you know which i know based off conversations i've had with that team that's not how they value him they were willing to overpay him a bit i think because of a specific role he fits in denver it's so specific guys that i would even just point to the clippers series Yes, Kawhi kind of choked a bit, but Grant just did a really good job. He was well-suited physically to defend a Kawhi type. Um, In the regular season, he was a bench player, and he wasn't particularly great. So adding Jermichael Green, I think, is a great, you know, sort of fill-in for the regular season. Um, Losing Grant, I think, would matter should they find themselves in another Game 7 against the Clippers. Drew Holiday, I don't, like, you don't want to pay as much as the Bucks did for Drew Holiday. I don't... He's become almost slightly overrated in this conversation. Um, but let's let's just say it this way. There was a world in which Denver felt like they could have retained Jeremy Grant at a much uh, more reasonable price, and they could have obtained Drew Holiday. Uh, they felt like they were the front runners prior to the Bucks coming in way over the top. So, so let's just say maybe it was Monte Morris, Gary Harris, and a couple of picks. Then they would have felt like they're adding Drew Holiday to that talented core without really giving up much of it. So there was a world, I think, in which they might have walked into this season feeling like they are arguably favorites right behind the Lakers to win the title. Um, And that didn't work out that way. So it'll be interesting to see how how missing out on Drew and missing out on Jeremy Grant affect them. I still think they win a ton of regular season games, though. Absolutely. I I would definitely agree with that. I'm also curious your thoughts on Michael Porter Jr., because oddly enough, like in, in my opinion, it seems like Denver has no interest in in moving him. And yet I keep hearing and maybe this is just, you know, NBA Twitter um, overreactions or just people being excited in the offseason. But I, I do hear his name brought up in in like trade rumors sure. and things like this, talking about all kinds of trade value. And I, I don't really 
get the sense that Denver has any interest in in moving him at all. Could you speak to maybe some of those rumors that are out there, uh, maybe erroneously so, and his trade value and also if there is any interest on on Denver's part for moving from him? Sure. So, so full disclosure in the process, I am credentialed. I do get to talk to the team. I wouldn't describe myself as one of the two to three newsbreakers. If you're in the Nuggets world, you know Harrison Wynn, Mike Singer, they're really plugged in. That said, in open secret, and even I know, Denver's not keen on moving Michael Porter Jr. They're just not. If that trade happens, I think it would be a big surprising move. The reason you're you're seeing, I think, this conversation is because from an outside perspective, uh, as Nuggets fans like to say, a casual fan perspective, the feeling is let's get another star in Denver, right? That's a good young team that needs a third guy. What's their shiniest asset? It's Michael Porter Jr. So from a, a trade machine on your couch perspective, I get it, but I can I can confirm what you're getting at. Like the Nuggets are not eager to move this guy at all. I, I want to get your opinion on the Nuggets in terms of a lot of people consider a massive upset and um, defeating the Clippers. Um, just reflecting on that series and moving on to this season, what will that series mean moving forward? It's not going to be kind of like a, a rite of passage, a significant point in time that this team's going to actually be able to carry into not only this upcoming season, but future seasons. Or do you think it might have been not not necessarily like a fluke, but just maybe a point in time that, you know, the roster might change, things happen and that um, – that win in the bubble against the, the Clippers specifically may not mean as much. What are, I guess what I'm asking is what are the long-term consequences of that? Well, I think it can be both, right? I don't think there's any world in which the Nuggets complete consecutive 3-1 comebacks in a normal playoff setting, right? There, there, was, there were some outlier dynamics in play. That said, the Nuggets still bested a the odds-on title favorite before the Lakers had that great postseason mm-hmm. in a seven-game series. And you know, Nuggets Nation knows well, and Nuggets players have talked about this publicly, the rap on them is that they're soft. The other contenders in the league going into that postseason, they don't fear Denver. In fact, many of them probably had them circled as a matchup they'd prefer to have as they work their way to that Western Conference Finals team. Um, Specifically, uh, matchup, I should say. Specifically, the Clippers, who really felt like the Nuggets didn't belong in their league. The Clippers liked the idea that they had a bunch of dogs and playoff-tested guys, and the Nuggets were pushovers. I think if there's one thing you learned about Denver in this playoffs is that's not the case. Just because they don't have guys who post Jimmy Butler-esque videos of them draining sweat from their t-shirts online doesn't mean they don't have a bunch of dogs, a bunch of guys that are ready to go. And they think they can play with everyone. So whether they're right, whether they're too young and naive for their own good, I mean, Denver just feels like they can go toe-to-toe with any of these guys. And I think that series um, is just another notch in their belt in that regard. Um, I want to get your opinion. You're at the um, Nuggets media day before you hopped on the, the call with us. Um, what do you get of the, the mindset of this team headed into this season, just in terms of the COVID restrictions? Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, it, other sports are being hammered with this. We're seeing games being canceled left and right. Um, the NBA is moving out of the bubble. How do you think they're going to adjust to this new paradigm of, you know, possibly their team getting COVID, no fans, the, the the schedule, just kind of the weirdness of this season. Um, it's a lot different than going to um, Florida for three months. Sure. Um, how do you think the team is adjusting to the new dynamic? That's a, that's a great question. I think they're trying very, very hard to treat this as business as usual. Um, but of course, we all know 
that's not the case. I think Luka Doncic was asked recently what he thinks the key is going to be to contending this season. And he said, whichever team has the least amount of infected players. And I don't know if that was, you know, in jest, I didn't really hear the quote, but he's not wrong. Um, this is not a bubble. NBA players like to go out. This is what what they had in place in Orlando worked so well and, and hats off to them. But they got a lot of credit for achieving something that these other leagues could not have done, right? The NBA was wrapping up their postseason in a bubble environment, but you can't conduct an entire regular season under those circumstances. So I don't think the players, I think the players are trying very hard to approach this like it's any other season, but as everyone knows, it's just not. And, you know, we're already, Portland had to close their training facility today because of multiple uh, positive diagnoses in their, in their organization. So it's going to affect this entire season from start to finish. I want to ask you a follow-up to just the seriousness of the virus itself, because correct me if I'm wrong, and please do, from seeing kind of a overall layout of all sports, um, the majority of the athletes that get this virus, they seem to recover, and so far, um, and we'll have to see in years to come, there hasn't been any long-term consequences um, in, in terms of those uh, athletes getting affected and them seeing like a diminish of their athletic sure. ability and their overall health. So I guess my question is, do you think the players have, is there a, still a fear of getting this virus overall, or is this a situation in which, Hey, I'm going to get it. I'll most likely recover. I'll be all right. And I'll be back on the team. What do you, what do you think? It's a good question. You know, I don't have any, any insight as to like specific, how specific nuggets players feel about this. I would only say that I think often from the outside, we like to group players together, like it's a Borg, right? Like they all have one collective opinion. Sure. And that, of course, is not the case, right? So there are going to be some guys here who I'd imagine are not too worried about this, that feel they're in prime physical shape. They're either not going to to, to catch this virus or they're going to be fine if they do. But there's also Carl Anthony Towns, who we know has lost seven family members, guys, to COVID, um, which is nothing short of tragic and he has expressed that going forward, his top priority and top concern now is about doing everything he can to make sure that the rest of his family is safe. And he has described basketball as therapy for him in the past. And he said, I'm not going to be able to call it that now, looking baseline, not seeing my mother there. So important to remember that all these guys are going to feel differently about this and that, you know, the player base, it's just a bunch of individuals that comprise that. Yeah. Yeah, kind of much much like our country in different areas, different people, different groups, all all feel different about this. Exactly. For sure. yeah. um, I, I wanted to ask you, kind of piggybacking off of this, you know, unique season that we're coming upon. You, I, I think you're spot on. You know, mentioning that we can't really hold a full regular season in a bubble. I think also it's it's going to be good for the mental health of the players that that we not do it that way for an entire regular yeah, season you can't, or, you can't. or attempt that. Um, do you think that the Nuggets specifically with a younger core like they have in, in any way, I mean, maybe do they have – a little bit more stamina for a season mm. like this. Um, any any specific advantages they might have over a team like, say, you know, the Lakers or the Clippers that have some veterans on there that, you know, uh, outside of of the COVID discussion, even there's been so much talk about them resting players anyway. As as we start sure. with the season, 
I mean, yeah, first of all, it's a bunch of younger guys, so they don't all necessarily have families of their own. And I do think that sort of drives a lot of response to this type of stuff. But but to your point, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., these are guys who, you know, the former's coming off of the very best basketball of his career, where he was one of the five best players in the playoffs, bar none. The latter who, you know, secrets out the Nuggets season is really all about his progression. Can he be a third star? They're chopping at the bit to get this thing going, right? They're not, they're not, I'm sure they they were excited to see family. You know, Jamal Murray expressed how, how much he enjoyed being home in Canada and working out with his brother. But I think these guys are ready to go and ready to play basketball. That's at the forefront of their minds, you know, as young competitive dudes. So it's definitely possible. I, I, I think this team is still hungry. I don't think they walk away from that bubble experience exhausted. I wouldn't know. I'm just guessing. I think they walk away hungry and feeling like they're they're this close to contending for a title. Agreed. I mean, I, I could definitely see this season being something like, uh, you know, back in the early 2010s when Chicago took the one seed in the East. They were a younger, more hungry team, you could argue, than the Miami Heat. Mm. Um, and so they they eclipsed them for that one seed. I could see that happening for the Nuggets over the Lakers and Clippers just because of the rest that might be happening, right. a little bit of championship fatigue maybe from the Lakers. I mean, you never know. I, obviously, it's early. we got to wait and see some games first. But um, the other thing that I, I really wanted to ask you about, because it's, it's such a curiosity to the NBA as a whole, is if you could tell us anything about Bull Bull, his projection for playing time this year, his role on the team this year. Do you see his role expanding this year? Um, how's he coming along? I think he's in contention for both, you know, backup big and backup wing minutes. Uh, the team doesn't necessarily see him as a center. I know some people might have just heard me say wing, and they're wondering if I misspoke. I didn't. They think he has that that sort of skill set. Um, and, and you know, let's say for, for argument's sake, guys, that Will Barton is being viewed as a shooting guard this year, either starting or backing up Gary. Well, who is that backup wing now that Grant's gone, now that Torrey Craig is left for Milwaukee? You know, maybe P.J. Dozier, the guard? Or, or Bull Bull, the center, sort of takes a step outside of their comfort zone and fills that spot. Michael Malone told us today that in terms of getting creative defensively, they're going to think about ways to get Bull Bull in there as the backline defender, including going to his own defense. So does Bull crack the rotation? I don't know. But in a weird season in which guys might be resting, we might see some load management, um, coaches get creative. Do we see Bull Bull? I think he's slowly introduced into what Denver wants to do starting this season and going forward. Um, one last question be- before we let you go. Um, in terms of fans um, in attendance, I-, I know that the Golden State Warriors, um, their goal is to have uh, 50% capacity, um, you know, COVID testing, everybody that enters their facility, but, you know, just California put out a massive lockdown, stay at home order. So I don't know how, how achievable that is, but I guess as you know, the vaccines are rolling out and everything is kind of organically changing and hopefully for the positive, um, do you have any insight regarding the Nuggets specifically um, wanting to get fans into their building or are they primarily focused on not having any fans returning into the arena this season? Yeah, the team actually announced and confirmed there will be no fans in Ball Arena this season, at least as of now. So they're one of the many teams that will be operating without that source of revenue and without that home corn advantage. Uh, so it'll be really funky, guys. And I don't even know yet if media will be able to be in there. But obviously, like the best part of seeing a game in an arena is the atmosphere. 
and and being in there without fans, uh, if if I'm so lucky, would be nothing short of bizarre. And there, we we can't pretend this will be the same for players. It just won't uh, playing without us. Like, uh, for for the Nuggets perspective, a guy like Jamal Murray. Um, now he played so well without the fans in the playoffs, so maybe it's fine. But he feeds off that energy. He feeds off that crowd. Those guys won't have that advantage. So we'll see how it shakes out. Do you see, um, just a follow-up to that, do you see like a bubble adaptation for a lot of NBA arenas in terms of incorporating the digital fans, virtual fans? Um, is that something that you see a lot of arenas employing just to have a little bit sense of normalcy? It's possible. It's possible. I do think that, you know, a lot of what the NBA did in the bubble in terms of presentation really worked, in my opinion. Um it, the court just looked cool. They made it sort of – they filled up the space well. It didn't seem so empty. Um, that will be a unique challenge, I think, for each team respectively within their arenas. I don't know. I haven't heard what the NBA is planning. But I'm sure they'll get creative and, and try some way to substitute for that atmosphere. Well, thank you very much for uh, joining us. I um, really appreciate it. really enjoyed your insight. Uh, please um, let our listeners know where we can find you on social media and any upcoming products, um, projects you have um, for the end of this year as well as uh, 2021. Well, I appreciate you having me, guys. It was a pleasure. Uh, you can follow follow our team account at DNVR underscore Nuggets. Myself, Harrison Wynn, Adam as all of our content goes up there. You can follow me on Twitter at Brendan Vogt, V-O-G-T. And check out the DNVR.com. We're behind a paywall, but if you're a Nuggets fan, um, I really believe, you know, the content we're putting out is worth your money. And, you know, there's a lot of benefits to being a, a subscriber and a member. It's not just about reading our our content. There's mem- there's member discounts at the bar. There's discounts in our merch locker. Uh, there's a DNVR member Discord, so you can shop it up with us and our members. And, and starting next week, we're going to kick off our player preview series. We're going to go through each player on the roster uh, a fun video series that will be both in front and behind the paywall. Check us out at thednvr.com. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining us. I uh, really appreciate the chat. My pleasure, gentlemen. Yeah, thank you, Brendan. It's a pleasure. Welcome to another episode of Hoopsology. I am Justin Goodrum, joined by Matt Thomas. What's up, man? Oh, not much, man. Just another another good weekend, another busy weekend, getting a lot of stuff done at home a lot of stuff for the podcast actually that i'm really excited about nothing to report just yet to you guys but some exciting stuff coming in the future i got a youtube video up on our channel so be sure you guys are subscribed to our youtube channel as well if you like the video format we're going to be putting more content up there in recent weeks so a little little podcast housekeeping there but anyway what's up with you man how are you doing i'm doing pretty good um you know me, I I like the fashion of the NBA, and I believe all 30 teams of the NBA City uniforms are out for the upcoming season, and I have a lot of passionate thoughts about them, and just want to kind of pick your brain regarding which ones like caught your eye and which ones um, you might even think about buying. I mean, you know my rule, I only buy um, sports apparel for the teams I support, but you have that freedom to, to buy whatever you want. So, <laughs> uh, me and my silly code um, holds me back from getting what I, you know, jerseys I think are cool. But um, I think I want to pick, kind of pick your brain. Cause you're probably if out of the two of us, the more likely one to buy one of these jerseys, maybe mm. if you think they, they look cool, but um, I kind of want to get your thoughts of any one of these that caught your eye or look cool to you. 
Oh, gosh. There are a couple that I really like. There are a couple that I really dislike, too. We'll talk about that later. Um, I I always am a fan of Hornets jerseys. I don't know. Just I think since that team came around in, I believe it was the late 80s or early 90s, I, I think that's just kind of synonymous with our childhood since that was an expansion team of that time along with the Heat. So both the Hornets and the Heat, I, I'm a big fan of their city edition jerseys as, as well as their normal jerseys. Let's be honest. Um, but I also like, it kind of takes me back to high school days. I want your opinion on this Jersey specifically, but Sacramento, I like it's, it's kind of plain, but I, I think it looks pretty slick. The, the color scheme they got going there. And then I like the San Antonio going a little bit kind of a modern take on some of their retro jerseys, you know, getting that turquoise in there, that turquoise pink and orange stripe going on there. So those are really my top four. I have some that are kind of more, uh, I don't know, poopy, I guess, but, but I want your thoughts. What, what are some of your favorites on this? And then what are some of the ones I know Chicago, your team has, has let you down, unfortunately, but Uh, what are some, some of your other thoughts on these jerseys? Well, to keep it positive, um, I I love Miami's jerseys. Um, I know CBS Sports, I was talking to you off the air, and they had it ranked pretty low, which was bizarre to me. I think their jerseys are spectacular. I, yeah. if I if I didn't have my stupid rule, I would buy one right now. They look, um, they will look great on court, too, I think. I agree. And even like, because, you know, you can buy the shirts um, of the jerseys, too. I, I immediately buy a shirt fairly easily. Um, they look that cool. Um Standing out to me also, I agree with you with um, Charlotte. Um, those look really cool. The stripes has like a mean presence to them. Um, so I, I dig that. I like, actually, I think we're on the same page. I really like Sacramento too. Um, it just looks cool. It has like a menacing feel to it. Um, other than that, I like Memphis. That's an underrated mm-hmm. um, jersey design. I, I really, I'm digging that. Um, I like, I know, I'm kind of feeling mixed emotions. Sometimes I really like it. Sometimes I don't. Uh, with the Utah Jazz and then um, the, the Phoenix Suns. Um, I think those look pretty cool as well. Um, I will say the one disappointing jersey on this list is the, um, um, I'm spacing out their name, but the uh, Golden State Warriors. Sorry. Um, mm. I know it's a throwback to their earlier jerseys. I wasn't a fan of those. And Golden State has a pretty high bar regarding their jerseys and all their jerseys. I think that have come out recently. They're pretty awesome. This one, I was a little bit disappointed in. Um, I like Detroit's Jersey. I think those are cool. So those are the ones that stand out to me um, mm. to get negative. <laughs> I'll start out with Chicago. Oh boy. Uh, I, it, it's I, as we talked about months ago and we, I thought it was fake. Um, I didn't think it was real. <laughs> I think it's terrible. I, I don't. I don't understand with Chicago why they stick to their um, original scheme of their jersey. Like, why they have not done a V-neck jersey is beyond me. I know it's tradition, but I, I just think these jerseys are getting like really creative. Why not just do a V-neck jersey? So I was disappointed in the way that looks. Disappointed in the Cleveland jersey. I, I don't. Yeah. Really, I. I it looks weird. I thought that was fake too. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. That looks, looks like terrible. space jam font or something. <laughs> it looks does. like a, a child's Jersey. I think it was meant to be for the rock and roll hall of fame in oh. Cleveland. It had those letters, but still not Gosh. a fan of it. 
Um, I, the Brooklyn Nets, I know it's supposed yes. to have more of like a street feel. I don't understand that either. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of similar it. to the Cleveland one. Like the font yeah. is weird. I, I don't know. I agree. I'm not feeling it. What do you think about the Celtics jersey? I like it. it it's kind of like a mix of old and new. Um, mm. I'm digging it. It's kind of basic. But I looked at it. I was like, huh, that makes sense in terms of kind of respecting the kind of old teams and mixing it with the new. So I, I'm digging the look. I have a feeling you're not feeling it too much. It's just a little plain. I, I respect yeah. what you're saying there. You know, the the one that kind of, and by the way, you guys check these jerseys out because some of them are pretty cool. Um, the one that I like, this kind of a throwback to the old ones, you know, like I think you bring up a good example with Golden State there. That's kind of disappointing to me too is kind of lack of creativity. You know, I kind of like the Wizards jersey, the throwback to the Bullets logo there. I, yeah. I think fans are going to go nuts over that because I know a lot of fans in D.C. miss that Bullets logo and were disappointed when they changed to the Wizards. Agreed. Um, another jersey I think would be appropriate if they won the NBA title, but it's kind of weird to have it, is the Dallas Mavericks um, with the kind of gold um, kind of on the outside with all white. I think if they, I don't know, somehow were the NBA champions, I think that'd be appropriate. It'd be like the champion jerseys, but mm. it just seems kind of weird um, just having it there. Um, and it makes, and you mentioned old school. I think Indiana um, going with the pinstripes. Um, I think those are cool. And I think um, the Clippers, I like the San Andreas, you know, the Grand Theft Auto font there. Um, I know that <laughs> it's kind of, I think that font was way before that video game. So I'm sorry for any listeners in for California. Sure. But um, I think those jerseys are pretty menacing. I think it re- it's representative of the culture there. But, yeah, I just think with the – I always have a thing with the teams I support. They all have terrible athletic gear or very mediocre. Um, this fan apparel, I've always been kind of upset about that. But, you know, nevertheless, that's the, the cards I was dealt. <laughs> so if you could just buy one, let's say they're sure. all Chicago jerseys, <laughs> which one would you buy? Uh, I would say besides the Miami one, uh, good question. So Miami's number one for you? Oh, uh, yeah, easily, for sure. I I think yeah, they have the best. Sweet. It's representative of the culture there. It looks cool. Like, you can just wear it. I can just see just people randomly wearing it and not even liking basketball. It's I think it's just a great fashion statement. Um, but other than that, I don't – nothing's really super standing out to me. I don't know, man. I think maybe the Charlotte, if you were to, you know, force me to, to buy something. I mean, I really like the Charlotte uniforms. How about yeah, you? Yeah, I love that one, you're the most likely one to buy something. <laughs> you know what? One I like, too, mostly just because of the color. I mean, it's, it's kind of plain and boring, but the Houston one, actually, which, I mean, if, if I have a team, it's the Rockets for sure. I, I'm not too disappointed in their jersey, you know, kind of going on with maybe the NASA color scheme, that kind of thing. It's not not too disappointing, but yeah, I'm with you. It's it's between Miami and Charlotte for me as well. Cool, man. So we'll have to we'll have to see how these jerseys go by. And you know, recently I've been also been getting into like the sneakers too. Like it's always kind of like a fashion show. So especially without any fans there, it's kind of like a thing I'm trying to look look at more um, just as the the season um, gets set. Um, but uh, enough banter about fashion. <laughs> Let's actually get these natural. Um, well, we are going to talk about Westbrook, so fashion Master. might be appropriate. Fair enough. <laughs> Good point. Touche. Good point. And especially his debut in Washington. I mean, he's going to have something 
crazy if he's wearing there. So no no doubt about that. But on today's <laughs> show, um, as we mentioned, we're going to dis- discuss the Russell Westbrook-John Wall trade. Uh, we'll break down Anthony Davis and LeBron on getting those extensions. And we're going to break down some uh, potential rivalries, matchups, and um, storylines to look forward to um, as this season uh, begins. But first, um, let's hop into this John Wall-Russell Russell Westbrook trade. Say that 10 times fast. Um, <laughs> This is a trade that, to me, kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know. And it came out of, like, desperation. Um, but just checking out the tweet here, December 2nd, um, the Houston Rockets had acquired John Wall and a future first-round pick from Washington in exchange for Russell Westbrook. Um, and then it has Shams Sherna. And it's funny, I was listening to some of our old shows, and I totally screwed us up. And this is a mistake totally on my part. I said that Shams is going to be with ESPN. Totally wrong. He's still with The Athletic. Um, but this is his tweet, um, quote, protection on the first round pick that the Wizards traded to Houston in Russell Westbrook, uh, John Wall trade, trade 2023, lottery 2024, top 12, 2025, top 10, 2026, and top eight, then becomes two second rounders, uh, kind of a lot to dissect there, um, I think um, you had more perspective in terms of the long-term kind of consequences of this trade, and um, I was thinking more of kind of the short-term, so I'll just give you my kind of feelings on the short-term, because I think when you kind of go into kind of the long-term ramifications of this trade, I pretty much align with your thinking. I just think now, um, I don't know is the correct fit necessarily for John Wall with the um, Houston Rockets, and I, I say that respecting his knowledge of the game. Um, and I don't know if you checked this interview out. This was months ago. Um, it, I think this reporter um, that covered the Wizards just discussing John Wall's just basketball mind and how he's very similar to LeBron in terms of how much he knows about the game and how passionate he is. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how that's going to jive with a James Harden, who's a very much a person who demands the ball a lot. So that's a concern that I have with the Rockets just in terms of how that's going to mesh. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I do think, you know, John Wall, I mean, he's, he loves passing the ball. So it's weird. I have massive concerns. However, like you mentioned with DeMarcus Cousins being acquired by the Houston Rockets and the way this season's going to be, it's so weird just in terms of, you know, we could have a team all get COVID um, and just the way, the, you know, you need luck to get through an NBA season. Um, successfully and, and into a higher seating. I could see the Houston Rockets kind of weaseling their way into the top five. If you know, I, I kind of I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. But I guess in terms of all three of those dynamics, I think there's also a strong possibility of it being just a complete disaster, similar to what I think of the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> I think those are the two teams that I'm watching to see. Okay, how are these teams going to like? Um, coincide with each other and i think in terms of watching every single game those are gonna be the teams that i'm gonna be compelled to see how it goes um in terms of westbrook just real quickly i actually like this for the wizards i think he reminds me a lot of derrick rose but i think a much better version i know it, it pains me to say that but i think it's true i mean i granted they both were mvps but just i mean i just think westbrook's probably just a better player and and 
both of them in terms of their physically demanding style, um, Westbrook has been able to sustain himself over the years, um, despite his many flaws. And believe me, I wouldn't even call myself a Westbrook fan, to be honest, but um, I can't see the um, skill disparity there between um, Derrick Rose and Westbrook. But in terms of how he'll fit with the Wizards, um, I think he'll be a good addition. I think for Bradley Beal, I don't know if he'll be enamored by this. <laughs> Just in terms he of, said he's you know, cool yeah. with it, but you know players we'll always tend to say the right thing. Yeah, we'll see for now. I mean, he's cool right. with it. I mean, him being dropped off at the airport. <laughs> we'll see when they're <laughs> actually, you know, on the court together. You know, having to discuss stats and who's getting the more usage rate, and et cetera. Um, but at the same time, with the way the Eastern Conference goes, it's it's a weird conference in which really a couple of guys can kind of carry it with your role players, depending what, what Washington does. So. Again, I'm not totally ruling it out as kind of like a failure for both of these teams, but certainly there's it's desperate, and certainly there's some massive risk. But however, I don't see it like instantly it's going to be a failure on on both of these teams' fronts. Uh, so what do you make of this trade, Matt? Uh, do you think, I guess, the short term does it matter? I guess that's that's my question to you. I mean, does the short term matter that much compared to the long term ramifications of this trade? Well, long story short, in my opinion, no, because we're talking about gotcha. aging point guards. We're talking about even with Westbrook, he's been slowed down a little bit with injuries last year, was able to come back and perform well, especially well enough before the All-Star break that he got in to the All-Star game as as expected. Uh, but, you know, it, it was a disappointing season for Westbrook. And it's been a disappointing three years for John Wall because of injuries. Obviously, he's coming off that Achilles. I think before that, he had an ACL tear, if, if I'm not mistaken. But in any case, um, over the past three years, he's only played 73 games. So we have to see if John Wall is even healthy. Uh, you, To me, I mean, next year, like if, if you want to say, you know, just like, who got better from this for the 2021 season? I think it's it's obvious the answer there is Washington. But I think also, I mean, when you consider that Bradley Beal is leaving in 2022 and that he was close with John Wall, like he um, drove down. I, I don't know if you had heard about this, but he drove down to stay with John Wall when John Wall's mother passed away a few years ago, I believe. Oh, um, I didn't hear about that. So they they were pretty tight. And as you and I both agree, I mean, chemistry in a locker room in the NBA is so important. I mean, arguably more than any other sport because you're relying on essentially five guys, like your starters really will make or break an entire season for you. Uh, so I, and I, I think it's also important to point out because I'm critical of Russell Westbrook on the court for his decision-making, his three-point taking, shot selection, that kind of stuff, his refusal to back down as far as that goes. In some ways, I admire his courage, but it doesn't translate to wins in the playoffs. We, we've seen this over and over again when you had Paul George, when you had Kevin Durant, uh, lists of guys that reportedly really like him, Kevin Durant included, even though they had that feud after KD left. There, there's lists and lists of reports from players that have played with him that just love the guy and stick up for him. But as soon as the ball tips off, though, that's all out the window. And Russell Westbrook has always just kind of had a mind of his own. He's returning to coach Scotty Brooks, who, who we know Westbrook likes a lot. And you would assume Scotty Brooks feels the same way since he okayed this move. 
Um, so, you know, I'm wondering if he's going to listen to Scotty Brooks, though, or if, if he just feels like there's a level of comfort here because he's been clear this offseason. The reason he requested this trade away from the Rockets, he, in spite of his relationship with James Harden, um, he wants to be the man. And I don't know that that is very conducive to Bradley Beal re-signing with the Wizards in the 2022 offseason. In my opinion, no, but I, I tend to be pretty cynical. Like, I think James Harden is leaving. I think James Harden will be traded at or before the trade deadline this year. So I, I don't even, I don't think they'll play chicken with him, even though he's on contract for two two years. Um so I think he's gone. I think Beal is gone from the Wizards in 2022, if if I'm being honest. He's he's a pretty hot trade commodity, so you think teams are going to throw the kitchen sink to get him. Um, so I don't know. You know, I have a pretty cynical view when it comes to players staying with teams, which is why I think if if you think Harden is gone this season, as I do, then I think you want to start the rebuilding process as soon as you can in Houston. You want to get a big haul for James Harden. Maybe John Wall can prove he's a viable player again. Maybe you can get some trade value for him. I mean, his, his contract is terrible like Russell Wilson. So you're probably not going to get much other than maybe some other terrible expirings and maybe a pick or two. Um, but you know, it's, it's an interesting trade because you have this, uh, this argument where if I'm a wizards fan, then certainly I appreciate you bringing Russell Westbrook in and going for a playoff appearance since we haven't been in the playoffs in a few years. Um, but I've, I also wonder if Wizards fans are disappointed in knowing that now you've traded away potentially your draft liability for for the next couple of years. I mean, this, this is one pick, but if you have something basically – in the high lottery, it's it's going to Houston, other than in 2023, where their lottery pick will stay with them, which is smart on their part. So I don't know, there's a, there's a lot of ways you can take this, and I guess it, it just depends on what you think these players have. To simplify things, though, I, I don't know. This, may, this trade may be a very, very glittery, shiny nothing burger, because it may be that Westbrook is ready to decline, and John Wall may never be what, what we saw. Of course, that's that's very negative. That's not what I'm hoping. But aging point guards don't tend to have the best track record in the NBA. So it could be a giant nothing burger as well. Are, are you excited at all? This has been a narrative for a long time in the NBA. So I want your thoughts on it. Um, the, the reuniting of University of Kentucky Wildcat teammates Boogie Cousins, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins, and John Wall. Are you excited to see this? Do you think that John Wall being there helps or hinders Boogie and in, in his kind of sordid past? I think it helps. I think um, there's a documentary uh, on Showtime about DeMarcus Cousins kind of struggle to get signed before I think the Warriors ended up signing him. And I think having a familiar face is going to help. I know John Calipari keeps in touch with all those guys. I mean, anytime you ask him, like he he's very he has he's very fond of all the players that make it to the NBA, and always defends them even if he's on the wrong side of the argument. And, and I think that's a good point you bring up. They were teammates. In terms of how it fosters their on the court success, I don't know if that's going to matter so much. But in terms of you know 
I guess Boogie's attitude. I think that's gonna help. I'm having a familiar face there for sure. I wanted to ask you, Matt, um, and I know this is like kind of off topic, but with a lot of these players we're seeing, I guess they're dealing with a crossroads in their careers, right? You mentioned that both these point guards were aging. I can't believe we're saying that James Harden and John Wall are aging. I know, right? <laughs> it's, kind of, it's weird. <laughs> um, I guess comparing this era and the 90s era, which, you know, a lot of players just get killed for not winning the title, right? It's just such a, it's a scarlet letter held against him. You know, you look at Charles, uh, Charles Barkley and Shaq. How often does Shaq say, you know, you didn't never win a title? He always brings that up whenever he has an argument. <laughs> Even it's about, like, who's going to order first at the fast food restaurant. Like, that always gets brought up. But I guess I want to ask, you know, looking back when we're old men and comparing, like, these guys compared to um, the, the 90s guys in particular um, winning a title. I guess my question is to you, do you think – it's going to be a massive black mark against him as it is still now, just because there's a lot more talented players in the league. I feel like it's impossible for like every single all-star player to win a championship. It just, just by, mm-hmm. you know, numbers and just by logic. Um, do you see it being such a massive factor? Cause I just think of this trade and I think of like a lot of these guys are going to be hall of famers one day. Right. And a lot mm-hmm. of them are going to have really star studded careers. And it's a you know, strong possibility that, you know, somebody like John wall is not going to even sniff the, you know, NBA finals is a strong possibility. Um, and even somebody like we talked about with Westbrook that I even forgot that, you know, he was in the finals, him and, you know, James Harden, that was years ago, many moons ago. And mm-hmm. that was before they ascended to what they are now. So I guess the, I guess in terms of this trade, in terms of talking about their legacies and what the pressure is on them moving forward on, on, on these teams, do you think, you know, when they retire, when they're inducted into the Hall of Fame, that scarlet letter of, hey, they couldn't win a title will still be a stain on the record? Or will fans realize, hey, it's really tough to win an win a NBA title um, in any era? I think we're seeing NBA fans, in spite of you know a lot of hype and ridiculous takes that we see on social media, I do think fans are getting smarter. And if you hearken back to what you and I did, a podcast series on The Last Dance, basically the attitude from that Jordan era now is, man, if you won a title in the 90s, it's because Jordan wasn't playing. And I think we're going to have that same kind of understanding or grace extended to players of this era, too. You know, if you think of the uh, 2000s, kind of the post-Jordan era, save for those Wizards days, um, it's really, were you on the Lakers or were you on the Spurs? And if not, okay, we kind of understand you not winning a title. Uh, If you look at the 2010s, were you LeBron James or the Golden State Warriors? It is basically what it boils down, or the Spurs again, kind of extended their dynasty, if you want to call it that, into that era. So I I do think that it, it takes a little brief, room it takes a little bit of time but we do see as as the brush paints a little bit broader over these eras i like charles barkley taking grief is is silly i mean that that's it only is happening <laughs> in that nba fraternity like Shaq is one of the few guys who can hate on charles barkley like that i i don't think and i may be you know 
out of touch here with with perception, but I don't think titles are as big a deal as they used to be with legacy. And I, I think as we start seeing more and more narrative put behind LeBron, as we see more and more stats piled up, that's going to be something that not to get into a big old discussion here about the GOAT talk again, but but that's going to be something that helps LeBron in this GOAT debate, I think, is that we're, we're seeing more and more narrative and understanding for if you don't win a title. Like, I, I just don't think we're going to look at James Harden, even though he had failures in the playoffs. You know, he might be comparable to someone who's had just slightly more playoff success than like a T-Mac from the 2000s. Uh, where I think everyone respects T-Mac's game. Uh, he's, he's someone who's had a lot of praise constantly in the media, being one of those guys that came out kind of during the Kevin Durant, Kobe Bryant era. He was a guy that came out from high school and had, because he has these great highlights like those players do, he gets a lot of praise. And, and so, you know, maybe it's that Twitter is this medium that we're consuming NBA on. You get these fantastic highlights that build legacies now. Um, and maybe that's, that's something that we're getting away from print and seeing those, those playoff stat lines in the newspaper, things like that. Um, but I guess long story short to wrap up here, since I went for a while, um, I do think we're seeing more mercy as far as that goes, but I don't know. Would, would you kind of um, disagree with where I'm going there? Uh, somewhat. I, I just think that to tie it up, I, mean, I don't want to make it seem like I have to ask you a random question, but I just see all these trades and I see, you know, James Harden, you know, wanting to go to play for Brooklyn just because he wants to win a title. We talk about Giannis, right? You know, I believe it was Malcolm Brockman he wanted the, the, for him to keep. And then I think there was another player too. I forgot. There was another player that they were trying to get. They didn't get him. And he was, you know, he expressed that he wanted to play with them and, you know, how the team, you know, they lost George Hill and some other key players. And there's been, ex, you know, a lot of heavy rumors concerning Giannis and about him wanting, you know, going to win a title. It just seemed like it's still prevalent among a lot of these players and their legacy's not being complete. And, I just think it's always going to be a narrative while they're active in the game. And it's just a thing where it's kind of a catch 22 in my mind, because I want to appreciate these players yet, you know, there are kind of blatant kind of, you know, decisions that they've made that really cost their teams. And that includes Westbrook. And, you know, we see it with James Harden too, with his performance in the playoffs it's, it's I don't think compared to Charles Barkley in which, I, I never hear of like, oh, well, Char Charles choked in the playoffs, right? Or Carl Malone, he, he choked in the playoffs. Or John Stockson, he couldn't get it done in the playoffs, right? You, you never hear – or Patrick Ewing, you know what I'm saying? Like their performances mm -hmm. are never like held against them. It's always Jordan. You know, hey, they, they ran up against Michael Jordan. What can you do? Same, you know, Reggie Miller, same thing. Where mm -hmm. I think now there's a lot more of like – hate towards the player individually because of their own individual performance and what that's going to be held against them. Um, and I think it's, it is going to be kind of a stain on them if they have this perception of not being able to get it done. I think you'll get more sympathy if you're somebody like, let's say Luca, like Doncic, and let's just say, I don't know, he, he just never had a supporting cast and, 
his stats were spectacular, but he just was never able just to get over that hump due to just poor management and him just maybe wanting to be loyal. Like it, maybe it was like a dark situation in which he stays in Dallas and he, he never wants to leave. He never wins the title. Um, I think that's where you might get the more of the sympathy, but I think a lot of these guys, just because of their own doing, um, they're going to take a lot of crap. Um, once they retire and once they, they move into the the Hall of Fame. And I think that's why we're seeing this desperation with a lot of these players. Hey, I want to go play with this guy and that guy. Same thing with Kevin Durant, with the one of the reasons uh-huh. why he went to Golden State. I mean, you know, granted, he was the, you know, a primary driver, but I mean, to do why they win a title. I mean, you know I mean? there's no secret around that. So I, I think in terms of what we'll get to or later on with these storylines, I think winning the, the chip at all costs is still prevalent in a lot of these guys' minds. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, let, I'm glad you brought up Kevin Durant because I wanted to pose this to you, comparing two Kevins here. So Kevin Love, before sure, we're we're talking way back here when Kevin Love was still a Timberwolf. This was a guy, you know, posting like 25, 20 lines, like 25 points, 25 re- rebounds, those kind of ridiculous numbers. And I, I think you can make a good case. It's my opinion that he might be better served as an NBA career if he had stayed in Minnesota. I like, I don't know that that title in Cleveland add adds much to his resume, especially given that he was the third wheel on there. His stats really suffered. I think he's almost better served staying in Minnesota or maybe just easier way to say it is not being a part of that Cleveland team. If you look at Kevin Durant, I think the example you just brought up, up there's a lot of vitriol towards him still for leaving that okc team that you know was ahead i I think they were ahead three one right or at least three games to two before the warriors made their comeback and clay went insane on them um and then the warriors won the title that year so um so i think there's still a lot of hate and almost maybe like a stain at least in fans minds on that title or titles that kevin durant won in Golden State uh, because of, of how it was done. So I, I don't know that the the championship is the be-all, end-all. And I, I think it's interesting hearing that James Harden wants to go join Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving because Kevin Durant, at the end of that Warriors run, we know that he was still kind of ticked off that he wasn't given the credit as the man because it was Steph Curry's team. Part of the incentive for him going to Brooklyn is now – you know, he's still getting criticism over these Warriors titles and he wants to show like, okay, I can do this as the person that moved out here. That's the head of this team. I can prove this to you. I mean, as, as an athlete, as someone of that caliber, these guys are so competitive. You're always going to be looking to prove yourself like that. So I'm sure it irks Kevin Durant every day that people knock on him for those championships on those. I mean, arguably the greatest team ever assembled on those Warriors teams. Um, so it's it's interesting. I, I don't know. I, I think there is there's so much narrative now that we have like kind of this big three and super team era that we've had. I mean, really, since the Celtics got together, um, you know, with Ray Allen, Kevin Durant and Paul Pierce or I'm sorry, <laughs> Kevin Garnett, not Durant um, and Paul Pierce back in 2008. Um so I don't know. It's it's an evolving story for sure and, and something that's going to be fascinating for us to look back on when, you know, you and I are still talking hoops in 15, 20 years looking back on this era. 
right? For sure. And to kind of transition off that point um, in terms of, hey, two superstars playing together, let's talk about these extensions with him, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Um, It was reported by Mark Stein of the New York Times um, that the Lakers and Anthony Davis um, agreed to a five-year, $190 million maximum contract. Um, Rich Paul of Clutch Sports, the agent of both Davis and James, said on Thursday and then on Wednesday, this is last week, so this article was written December 3rd. Um, on Wednesday, James and the Lakers agreed to a two-year maximum contract extension worth nearly $86 million, Paul said. Um, with both of these guys, I think with LeBron James's legacy and, and Anthony Davis, they're in two different points of their careers. And I heard... Um, just a you know a podcast in terms of how LeBron is you know he demands a lot of his teammates, but at the same time it seems like he has more of a warmth with him compared to Jordan. I think Jordan yeah. had that too. You know we saw that in the Last Dance and he was joking with guys, but I don't know LeBron just seems to be have more of I don't know the perception of him being a killer doesn't always come across twenty four seven. That makes any sense compared to Jordan, in which you know he was labeled and i think rightfully so as just this cold-blooded assassin uh well this this thing with ad i'm sorry to cut you off this thing with AD seemed like a father-son type relationship almost i mean he was i would say so i think genuinely proud of ad yeah for sure um and i think he i think from what i've heard he he demanded a lot of anthony davis because i don't think davis really sees him it's a lot of he's very he seems like a very introverted type of guy um he has a very dominant game, but in terms of asserting himself, I think he struggles with that sometimes. And I think he even he mentioned it when he hit that game-winning shot in the bubble. Like he credit LeBron for bringing that just monster mentality out from him. Um, and I think with LeBron earlier on, it was a situation in which he struggled with that. You know, he was gifted with all these physical talents, but yet you know, <clears throat> how many times was he killed for passing the ball? when you know for the making the right basketball play which you know he has the ability to actually hit that shot we've seen him hit it you know multiple times throughout his career so overall i think this is a really good thing for the lakers i wanted to ask you first from a lebron james standpoint um this is a two-year um extension for james do you see him retiring as a Laker? Do you buy into this whole thing of this master plan that a lot of NBA fans have of his son playing with the Lakers, you know, <laughs> father and son? I mean, to my mind, I've kind of dismissed it, but at the same time, haven't really looked into it enough to have a hardcore opinion. Am I, is my hunch correct? Is that seems a little ridiculous or do you, is that a possibility? And do you maybe see this as a, you know, in game for LeBron, so to speak, where he just stays in LA until he retires. Uh, I don't see it as necessarily like inked in pen that LeBron is staying in in LA until he retires. I think the the, the thing that I gather because it surprised me that it was it, it surprised me and didn't surprise me that it was a two year extension. For one thing, LeBron is getting older. He he's still. Arguably, I, I would say the best basketball player in the world. Maybe not um, the maybe he doesn't have the stamina that he used to. But I mean, what can you say? I mean, this the Lakers run was was amazing with LeBron and AD as those centerpieces, as those Swiss Army knives. I mean, two guys who can do just about anything on the basketball court. So I think you're right. This is this is great for the Lakers 
years. But with LeBron signing a two-year, it tells me that he's very confident in his health, in his longevity. Because I, I think if he were scared that an, a season-ending injury is going to happen or something like that, you know, if, if he's worried about being a little bit more frail as, as he ages, I think he inks a four-year deal and takes AD on that five-year deal. Um, so I, I think LeBron is confident in, in his outlook. He can, he feels he can sign whatever he wants in, in two years. Um, I, I believe this also is a player option after next year. So he could, he could opt out of it if he wanted to after the next season. So LeBron is keeping his options open. That does speak to maybe if, if Bronny gets drafted, by someone um it it does leave this possibility open of this father son thing maybe he's thinking like i'll i'll take less salary just to be on that team with Bronny. i I think that's still pretty unlikely i would love to see it happen of course i mean who who doesn't want to see that happen i've i've said that before on the podcast but i i do still think that's pretty highly unlikely but the biggest thing that i take from lebron taking two years is just his confidence in himself him continuing to bet on himself and not take a longer deal to be locked down with any team, um, Lakers or otherwise, uh, long-term. So, and, and I think I, with these two guys as the centerpiece, again, your, your Swiss army knives, guys that can do everything on the basketball court. I mean, the Lakers are set up better than any other team right now, which is incredible given what the Lakers looked like in, you know, 20, 2012 and on. Um, so, so really, I mean, just a quick revival for the Lakers. I, you know, it's, it's totally fair that the Lakers are heavy title favorites, given everything you and I have discussed with their, their off season moves. I don't know. Do, do you have any other, any other takes on that LeBron signing and it being a two year deal? Um, what, what are your thoughts on the way the Lakers are set up now? Uh, not too much. It's kind of like, you know, when you, especially in the 90s and 2000s when the Yankees were super dominant, like the rich get richer. It's a smart move for the Lakers, get them stabilization. I think this is a, it's so weird because with LA for a long time, Kobe was the epitome of that franchise. And this new kind of dynamic with LeBron and Anthony Davis, I'm still getting used to it. It's still yeah. weird seeing LeBron in the Lakers uniform. Like even though he's won the title, it weirds me out. Um, I agree. It it's just I think moving forward, I'm, I'm wondering what is the long term future of this franchise when LeBron does retire or does move on. Um, I think LeBron's stay in Los Angeles is more of a short term thing, and <clears throat> I think for the Lakers, I believe their objective is to have maybe a more of a 10 year, 15 year plan. And I think that that's with Anthony Davis. So I'm just wondering, you know, moving forward, what is going to be like their kind of younger player in the pipeline? Cause everybody was saying, okay, is it going to be Brandon Ingram? Like, is it going to be Kyle Kuzma? Then it was, you know, Lonzo ball, all these guys that are kind of like, we know they're not going to be franchise players in this league. You, you know, when, you know, a franchise player, when you see one, right. It's, I mean, it's a very abundantly clear. So, I, in terms of the future, short term, I think it's bright. I think they're going to be a perennial contender. I think if I'm a Laker fan, I'm just wondering, okay, what are kind of the roots for the Lakers to be a dominant power for the next 10 years? Um, 
But at the same time, does that matter? I mean, they can just make trades whenever they want to, right? I mean, the Lakers were irrelevant one year, and all of a sudden they get LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They, you know, win the title two years later. So, I mean, it doesn't matter to maybe stomp your roots compared to, like, maybe the Bulls. Like, they need to do that, right? They need to have um, – they're not getting massive free agents to change the complexion of their franchise. They need to draft well and to build on the future compared to a team like the Lakers. They can just get any free agent they want. So, I mean, that's a, maybe I'm, that's what I'm wondering if I'm a Laker fan is what's going to be the future when LeBron James leaves them eventually. Well, most importantly, to piggyback on what you're saying here, I the culture has changed in L.A. And sure. big credit <laughs> to Rob Palenka. Uh, because the most you can plan on your roster is five years ahead, getting that star player four or five years. They've done that with Anthony Davis. And the hope is that, you know, he acts as the bait for the next player that comes in. I mean, are, are the Lakers going to stab the Pelicans in the heart again and get Zion out of there? If, if he works his way up into, you know, the star, everyone is projecting him to be, Um, you know, so, so that's the thing in, in having that piece in Anthony Davis, even if we're two years in, say LeBron retires after this contract, which I don't think anyone is expecting, but say it happens, you are still set up better than almost any other team in the league, just in that you have Anthony Davis. You can bring almost anyone into that roster and Anthony Davis can play with him. So, so I think, I mean, a plus for future outlook for the Lakers, of course that that could change if Anthony Davis leaves after five years, uh, but it, it's always very volatile and um, unpredictable in, in these off seasons, in these contract negotiations. Um, I mean, look, look at what's going on with James Harden. I mean, Houston has like rolled out the red carpet for this player and have, have tried very successfully, I think under, under Daryl Morey to put different rosters around him to compliment him as best they can. And it's still not enough to, to keep a superstar happy. Whereas, I mean, it's, it's obviously different with Anthony Davis because he already has his title now. So we're going to be, I, I would assume he's going to be thinking what is best for his family moving forward, that, that kind of thing and overall legacy. So it could be, I, I would say there's a higher chance in my opinion that Anthony Davis retires a Laker than LeBron. I could see LeBron saying like, Hey, Cleveland, here's one more for you kind of doing the victory lap for his retirement season. I mean, I, I, that seems pretty unlikely with how the Cavs are built up right now, but a lot can change in a year and especially in two years when his next contract is, is up. So um yeah, but the big thing there is culturally the Lakers have have changed. I think they had a really bad perception on them. You saw them miss out on a lot of those free agency periods in the 2010s era, like really after that Nash Dwight Howard um, superstar studded team was put together. I think that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back where people just saw, man, this team has so much dysfunction. And credit to Jeannie Buss, credit to Rob Polinka, they have completely flipped that perception and now LA is the place to be. And if if you want proof, just look at the offseason moves this year. That's true. I mean, it's just hilarious. Some people were saying, oh, are the Clippers going to be the new team in L.A.? Like, I think he, we brought that up to one of our Laker insiders. Um, he was just mentioning that as laughable now. <laughs> they should um, move to Seattle. 
<laughs> should get yeah. out of L.A. It's true. I'm, it's I'm not a bad not idea. Joking. Yeah, that's a good idea. They should listen to you. Um, I want to transition and to looking at this upcoming season. Some rivalries, upcoming season storylines that I'm looking forward to. And I think as we get closer to when we get the tip off, um, I have a lot more stronger thoughts. But these are what I'm looking at now. Um, and rather discussing like a particular matchup, I think a team storylines I'm looking at is probably the Dallas Mavericks, the mm-hmm. um, Brooklyn Nets, um, and... Probably the Denver Nuggets. Those are my three teams I'm looking at. Um, I think with the Dallas Mavericks, I think Luka Doncic is a, a phenom in this league. Um, I He is an enigma, and I, I wonder how he's going to fit into a normal kind of longer schedule now that teams know what who like what dominant player he is. We kind of talked about this with our, with our guest um, earlier about Jamal Murray. Um, I believe Luka Doncic is kind of that times like five. Like, you know, Luka is going to be, I would say, he's a franchise-changing player. I mean, this, the stats just don't lie. Um, so that's what I am looking forward to is just how his game is going to evolve um, through the years and the team around him as well. And with Brooklyn, with the Brooklyn Nets, I, I don't, I think this team's going to be a, a, a car wreck. <laughs> I, I don't see yeah. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving playing well together. I don't like that dynamic with each other. I think with both their tendencies, I think they have the tendency of being really selfish and they're going to butt heads despite them being friends. And if I'm wrong, then I am, I'm wrong. So be it, but I don't see that ending well. And I think um, with the Denver nuggets, I really want to see that rivalry with the Utah jazz. Um, I think that was awesome in the bubble. I think those are going to be must watch games in the season, but I think, Last season, I think at least of this season too, is desperation. I think what's going to happen with the 76ers? What's going to happen with um, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics? I mean, a lot of these teams that were billed to be potential championship teams, or at least representatives in their conferences, I would say for their fan base and for the media, the time is up. I mean, at some point, it's put up a shut up time. And I think the desperation makes for great basketball, and I think it raises the stakes of not only the regular season but for the playoffs. I like that. I like that. There's going to be there's multiple teams that are hungry, and you know they're desperate to win because I think we're seeing that throughout the league. And even like a team like the Miami Heat, like they kind of came out of nowhere. Where did they fit? Were they just a, a fluke, or are they going to be a perennial power? So I think overall what I'm looking at is not only – certainly the top teams, but also kind of those middle teams that are, you know, I think they're desperate. And I think we're going to see if they don't get it done, a lot of turnover. I, I think we're going to see some off seasons where we're going to see a massive shuffle of players in this league just due to this season, even though it is a, is a cut down league. So uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think those are all great points. I mean, some, some of the things you bring up are things that, um, I'm kind of also not looking forward to like I I don't really feel all that interested in watching the Nets play on the court. Oh, um, I do. <laughs> why? I'm curious. Why? I'm, that's interesting. Why? I'm, why don't you, from a player, from a just a basketball standpoint, why aren't you interested in, in seeing that? Just maybe for, even from a car wreck perspective. You know, I think like a player like Kyrie Irving, let's say, like like Kevin Durant is a player 
you know, he's a Swiss army knife guy. I'm sorry. I keep using this term, but I think it's the perfect analogy. He's a guy that fit in well in OKC with Russell Westbrook, even dominating the ball. He fit in well. Um, he's a guy that fit in with golden state. So Kevin Durant, you know, I, I could watch him anywhere. Kyrie. I don't, I don't want him with a Kevin Durant. Like I've seen him with LeBron James and I, I don't think that was really the best basketball, in my opinion, to watch like Kyrie go, okay, my turn. And then LeBron, okay, my turn. I, I'm worried that Brooklyn is going to look like that. And I also, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to see like the train wreck in Brooklyn. Um, I, I much more this season in particular, like another scenario that that I was going to mention is, is like the Clippers. Like a lot of people are wondering, are the Clippers going to bounce back? Do the Clippers have, I, I just don't really care about the Clippers because I mean, Paul George, isn't that fun to watch? Kawhi has, is, is great. No doubt can be very fun to watch, but man, the personality just isn't there. I mean, I, I am curious, is he going to grow and actually develop into a leader? But I, I'm just doubtful about all that. Um, I, I am most interested as an NBA fan in the up and coming stories. So I want to see what John Morant can do. You mentioned Luka Doncic. Good He's point. probably the most excited person that I am looking forward to seeing. I want to see what Zion can do. I want to see Me how too. much Zion is playing. Uh, the Nuggets that you mentioned, I have, we're totally in agreement there. I think they're one of the most fascinating teams in the league. They're like right in that maybe like halfway line in their development to their full potential. If, you know, Michael Porter Jr., if Jamal Murray, and if, if Jokic can all make steps together as that core of that team, I, I think Denver is fascinating. I, I, I just want to see really, really good, solid basketball. Um, I know the Lakers are going to be good, so I, I don't know that I have a ton of excitement for the Lakers. I, I think they're just going to be, you know, assuming LeBron and Anthony Davis, Davis are playing in multiple games this year. I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. They're going to be one of the very top seeds in the West. Um, so I don't know. I'm kind of looking for who's going to be the up and comers to, you know, as, as you talked about earlier, who's going to kind of carry the baton for this league as, um, as LeBron James starts to make his exit, which might not be happening for another four or five years, of course, but, but who's next? Who do I forward to look to who who do i have to look forward to as an nba fan for the next you know 15 years who's who's going to carry that mantle um also i would say i i want to see the warriors bounce back and have some kind of fight i know we're all bummed out about the clay thompson thing but that doesn't mean that they are completely dead in the water um even though we talked about that a couple weeks ago and i certainly don't think they're a title contender i want to see if they can have maybe maybe a fun playoff run, maybe upset a top contender, um, maybe turn some heads. Maybe Steph Curry can can earn a little bit more respect as an individual without having Klay Thompson on that team. So those are some things. I think a, a rivalry in the East that I'm looking forward to is Miami and Milwaukee, like specifically the Bam Adebayo versus Giannis matchup. I want to see if if we get a couple of those matchups uh, assuming those players are healthy and good to play those nights. I, I want to see that resumed. Um, so those are kind of the things I'm looking forward to. I, I think I kind of feel like a lot of these star players 
we know their narratives really well. A lot of things are set in place. So I want to see what's changing. I, I don't know. That's, that's kind of my attitude this year. You could argue that's maybe a poor attitude when it comes to uh, teams like the Brooklyn Nets that, yeah, they're, they're a brand new team. It is exciting to see what's going to happen. But for me, I've seen these players fit in a, in a lot of other teams. So, so I don't know. I'm more looking forward to the youth movement, I guess. Yeah, I feel you. I think your point with the Clippers, I think I'm into them to see what Paul George can do. I, I agree with you. His game's not the most appealing and it was very fascinating to hear him. He was on, um, on all the smoke podcast. I don't know if you listened to that podcast. It's with, um, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. Um, really, really good podcast if you're just bored and looking for something to do. Really insightful, and a lot of players are pretty honest on, on that podcast. And it seemed to me that this, with this COVID season, George conflicted with Doc in terms of fitting in. Um, just because he was out, and then when he came back, the dynamic of the of the team was totally different. Um, the chemistry was really good without him, and then when he came in, Doc wanted him to be like a Ray Allen type of player, which Paul George says he's not and i think that really hurt him and not to mention all the kind of um psychological um issues that he was struggling with being in the bubble um contributed to his performance being pretty poor so i'm interested to see from him he has some motivation he has a point to prove um and i think a lot of people including myself i do think he is an all-star caliber player and i think being a player of that ilk um he should have that kind of mentality of returning strong, stronger than ever. So I'm interested to see how he performs. And I agree with you, Zion as well. I'm curious. I'm just worried that they're going to babysit him. Like this season was brutal. Like I, I just, I hated it the whole, just playing for five minutes set him, you know, put him back in the fourth quarter. That sucks. Like either put him out there or not. Like, what are we doing? I'm with you. Yeah. Um, so hopefully just put him out there and see what happens. I, I honestly, this is going to sound maybe messed up, but I'd rather him play 40 minutes per game and then just tear his ACL or something weird just happened to him than just doing this, you know, garbage of just playing him, you know, 10 minutes here, sitting him five and his babysitting him. I think that does nothing for his career. So hopefully they just let the, the shackles off and let him um, display what he can do. But I think I'm in line with you. I think this, what's cool about the NBA compared, I think to the nineties, in my opinion, there's so many storylines. Yeah. There's so many teams that are like really compelling to watch as opposed to, you know, um, even as most recently as a few years, Years ago, it was maybe like you maybe have 10 teams that you'd be down for. But, you know, every team, I, I think, is compelling to see, even with the, the, the Bulls, with, um, with Laurie Marketing, you know, and it's with yeah. Zach Levine and this with their new coach. Like, what's what's going to happen there? So, you know, we look at the Phoenix Suns. I mean, we haven't even talked about them with Chris Paul. So, yep. I think certainly a lot of teams in the league, what's cool, what the league has going for is that there's very – I can't even really name a team that's like super irrelevant. That's like, okay, we don't care about this. I think maybe the team that's kind of like that is the Knicks, to be honest. Um, ironically, is it's like, mm-hmm. what is going on with this team? And even them, they have some young talent. So I think overall, this season's going to be really entertaining to, to check out for sure. I'm looking forward to seeing how these teams adapt to this COVID environment. And I'm just hoping, I'm hoping that if there's an outbreak of these of a team that gets COVID that not only 
um, they're okay, but like a year from now, they just are not suffering any long-term consequences. Uh, that's my fear is that from a year from now, you know, we have a vaccine, things are somewhat back to normal, but you know, there's a COVID outbreak and half the team is suffering from long-term consequences from this thing. That's what scares me. Um, so for sure, hopefully for sure. if players get it, you know, they quarantine, they recover, they're fine. We can just move on. Um, but that's what, that's a scary thing that I, I am not looking forward to seeing how that unfolds. For sure. And, and much, much like for society at large, I mean, that's, that's sure. what everyone's dealing with that fear for sure. Um, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and I do want to reiterate that I agree with you that I think the league is great right now. The league is deeper than it's ever been, I would argue, or at least as deep as it's ever been. And yeah, to your point, I mean, even some of the more obscure franchises, like even even like, you know, you can go out to like Sacramento and they're interesting. You could go a lot of places that we used to think of like laughing stocks as a franchise. And, and maybe you could say that about some front offices, but even then the talent is still there and they're still usually an interesting product on the court. Um, speaking of Zion, you know, one, one of the reasons I am a little bit excited for him and obviously you can't put too much stock in, in what you're viewing, but have you seen that we have now lean mean Zion on, on Instagram? No, uh, let me check it weight. out. He okay. has lost weight, multiple photos. So, I mean, unless someone is going in there and really photoshopping, I mean, he, he looks good. I mean, not, uh, you know, not trying to be weird on this podcast, not checking out Zion or anything, but, oh, but I hey. do have hope in a possible Zion, you know, rise to power here in the league. Uh, so, so I am hopeful and, and he's young and um, there's, just a world of potential there. And and I want to see that in the NBA. I want to see a, a very deep league get even deeper. So that's, that's really kind of more what I mean by that. I'm not trying to be a huge downer about, you know, Brooklyn or whatever. Uh, I mean, you know, full disclosure, I will say that like Kyrie Irving is not my favorite player, even though he's a highlight reel. Um, you know, there, there are, like guys in this league that, that I'm not necessarily rooting for all the time. But if those guys rise, I mean, of course, I'm going to be watching them in the playoffs and watching them when they're playing teams I'm interested in. Um, and, and so obviously the product is, you know, I, I think among sports leagues, like second to none, if you look at depth in the league. Um, so it's, it's going to be a great NBA season for sure. For sure. I'm um, checking out Zion. Um, it's up October 20th. Um, it seems, you know, it, it echoes your sentiment. Um, and he's on the cover of Men's Health magazine. So um, that that says something. <laughs> um, he's slimming. I guess they quote unquote slimming happy on the cover. I just think for him, we just have to see what he can do. And I understand I have concerns about his weight at the same time. We don't know how his weight's going to adjust to playing a full schedule. Like he was just so, it was just weird. It's sort of like he couldn't even have a chance to get in shape, like mm -hmm. the way they were treating him. So I I'm think before you. like 100%. before killing him for his weight, let's see how he does with with just being treated like a regular NBA player and going from there first. So um, we'll see what happens there. Here's a quote from him, actually from this Men's Health magazine. Um, it says this is from him. People tell me. I'm not supposed to do the things that I do with my size. I just take it as a blessing. And 
I'm wondering if that's more of like an attitude of like, you know, hey, all of you can just go kick rocks because I've been successful at this size. Or it's a situation in which he's really confident in his ability. So that's only thing I'm I'm a little you know scared about. It's just you know, is his ego going to interfere with what's actually best for his like long term health in the league? So yeah, I mean like, like you've you've alluded to. I mean it's all speculation at this point. We got to see yeah. we got to see this play out on the court, and, and sure. I'm certainly excited for that. And and it sounds like he's at least with the physical conditioning he's been doing this off season to his credit, he's at least doing all he can. Now let's see if that front office, like you said, takes, takes the handcuffs off him, take the training wheels off, let Zion, you know, at least play in the high twenties for minutes per game, if not longer. Yeah. It's just like the mentality. When I watch mixed martial arts, like everybody gets hyped up. Oh, this guy is super ripped. He's, so jacked. He's got veins popping out. How great of a fighter he is, right? Like, there's, I mean, <laughs> yep. let's just be real. Like, look at, there's a, a Cuban fighter who just got cut by the UFC, lost four out of his last five. Yoel Romero, mm. I'm not trying not to turn mm-hmm. this to an MMA discussion, but, you know, he was blessed with all these abilities. I mean, every doctor says you've never seen a guy like this before. He's just, he's unlike any other human they've encountered, yet he lost four of his last five. And my point is with Zion, like, if he's playing spectacularly, his body's irrelevant. So I think, in my mind, his looks is a factor. However, if he looks exactly the same, but his game is completely different, I think that's going to be the ultimate judge and jury. Not, you know, how much how much he can bitch press or if he has a six-pack. Um, it's it's, it's, it's kind of whoopsie freaking do. Yeah, I will say, though, like in comparison to other sports, I mean, you look at like some of the greatest of all time from like the NFL or like MMA is a great example. Um, You know, like Tom Brady, not not much to look at. Um, I mean, certainly a guy that's in great shape, but not like if you saw Tom Brady on the street, you're not thinking like, oh, man, this guy's an ad. Like you might think he's a male model. (laughs) Sure. Um, whereas in the NBA, I do think that athleticism tends to matter a bit more than in other sports. Granted, it's it's not the end all be all, you know, like Jordan, very, very smart basketball player, the greatest of all time, most would say uh, LeBron, very, very smart basketball player combined with that elite athleticism. Um, so certainly there there is, you know, more to it than just athleticism. But I think if Zion is a freak athlete. I, I think it could uh, kind of pole vault him to the top of NBA intrigue and and potential success on the court for the Pelicans, um, you know, sooner than maybe the potential in, in other sports. Yeah, for sure. I, I think you look at Tom Brady, like there's the infamous draft photo at the combine, like his body was nothing special. He like rebuilt himself from college to what we see now. He's like completely different. That's speaks to the longevity, you know, of the league, but you're right. I mean, in terms of being a, a athletic specimen, you, you, you're right. If people didn't know who Tom Brady was, yeah, you wouldn't assume he was a football player. So that's exactly right. So we'll just have to wait and see. I, I am really compelled. I really want to see Zion, no minutes restriction. If he's healthy, even if he's kind of, you know, 80, 90%, I still think he should play the majority of these games for experience. So totally agree. we'll just have to see, see how that, unfolds. Did you have anything else you wanted to cover before we have say goodbye this week? 
Man, we've covered a lot. Guys, be sure to, once again, check out the YouTube channel. We're getting more content going on on there. Uh, be sure listen to us. Obviously, it goes without saying. Anywhere you're listening to the podcast, like, subscribe, share. We appreciate all the support. Uh, check out our Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook page, Hoopsology Pod is our username there. And uh, we look forward to more episodes in the future. And catch our archive of interviews. Again, we talked to Ben Lyons, um, who's he's been associated um, just being a um, television personality and recently his project with NBA TV GM School. Um, we've talked to analysts from the Chicago Bulls, um, uh, Harrison Wind of the DNVR Sports. Uh, we've talked to uh, reporters from the Pelicans, the Lakers, the Golden State Warriors, um, the Phoenix Suns. Uh, we have um, Emmy Award winner Zach Levitt. We have a, a complete breakdown of the WNBA as well. Um, talking to two journalists particularly familiar with that. So check out our archive. Um, you'll be covered there um, heading into Christmas breaks. Um, so for Matt Thomas, I am Justin Goodrum, and we'll see you next time. Peace.